The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Time's up. Put your pencils down because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. I'm your host, Rabble Rouser, and with me is Dr. Danny Phantom. We have submitted grades. The semester is over, and we will not brook any complaints about grades. You didn't do your work, you got a D. That's the way it is. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited because, you know, I just checked Twitter and I just learned that I now have more followers than the guy who walked between the Twin Towers. I don't know. What? If, yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's true. You know, I, I'm, I don't mean to brag, but uh, obviously, you know, it, it happened a long time ago. But uh I don't know if you remember, you know, that member of the Frenchmen that, uh, you know, they made a movie about him and there's actually a couple. That's movies. a great movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, I think what the walk is the one that Robert Zemeckis did with, uh, that, uh, uh, what's his name? Gordon Joseph Levitt or whatever. But anyway, yeah, uh-huh, great, uh-huh. great movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was always fascinated by the fact that this guy did this, uh, you know, that he put together the whole scheme and, uh, the, and to do that and to, and also just the, the amount of courage, you know, to, to you know, basically, you, you know, you make a mistake and and you're done, and it's just it's just crazy. Uh, so uh, to me, uh, I'm always fascinated by him and and that achievement that he did. Same thing with that uh, the Alex Honnold guy who did the free solo for the. Elkhart I was Hands. just thinking the same thing. Yes, those he, people who live their life on the edge. That is absolutely just crazy to me because, like, you can't. There's no. You can't tap out. You can't just like okay. I'll try another day. You know, you just like, if you get halfway up that mountain or something and you get tired or something. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I can't even really wrap my mind around what would be, what I'd be thinking in that situation, like regret maybe, but it's just, it just takes a, you know, a really, you know, crazy kind of person like that. But, um, I don't know that to me, that fascinates, fascinates me. Uh, I was going to ask you, Rabs, is there like any sort of like weird, like somebody that, uh, you know, you're taken back by 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 some weird off the wall obscure accomplishment. 
Um, so I recently, uh, at, at the, uh, the sort of the, the week after Memorial Day weekend, drove across the country from Philadelphia to L.A. I'm here in L.A. like um, doing some work. And I went home to Philadelphia for the, for the Memorial Day weekend, spent some time with my wife, and I had to drive. I had to come back, and I decided to drive so I could bring some stuff with me. And I, but I also needed to get back pretty quickly. So I drove across the country in four days. It wasn't terrible. It was, you know, it was um, like 10 hour days, basically four, four, nine to 10 hour days. It wasn't, wasn't terrible, but I don't know if you know about this, but there is, and um, has been for many years now, a, a cross country bike race called race, race across America, R-A-A-M, I think is what the, is, is the sort of acronym. And way back in the, like the eighties, when I was, uh, a competitive cyclist like the record was like nine days and now the the, the record is something like seven seven and a half days it's, it's crazy uh how, but so the idea then is i drove across the country going 80 miles an hour in four days some dude is riding his bike across america in seven days same same distance and then the thing is they go like 22 to 24 hours a day so they, they get like an hour sleep and then, and I've, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard all kinds of stories about like the delirium that sets in and everything and, and how in the last few days, they're just like, you know, wolfing carbs to try to keep going and stuff. But um, I can't even imagine it. You know, I mean, I was exhausted after four days of driving and sitting on my duff. I can't imagine riding a bike across the country in not that much longer and, and making it all the way without, without really ever getting any sleep or rest. So that's, that's that's one of the things that I find astonishing in terms of human feats. Yeah, that's just don't seem like you really have time to to like the other necessities of to, to live, you know, as far as because you do have to sleep, you do have to eat and you do have to you know do your business. They, and stuff. They, they when, don't they don't sleep and they eat on the bike. Yeah, that's uh, that's really crazy. It's pretty I, intense, man. I'll tell you what, four days on the road, 10 hours, Rabs, that's. Tell you what, I'm not a big long drive person, and you know, but to do that for four days, that's that's quite a feat in itself. I mean, I I don't envy you for making that journey, and you know, I I think on the way back I might even try to do it in three. You know, cut cut down, so you need to work that last ten into three split, so three more three more hours a day, basically. Yeah, basically three thirteen hour days instead of yeah something like that. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Well, I wish the best to you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. As you embark on uh, your summer vacation. So let's let's uh, let's talk about what we got on, on the docket today. So, um, as as all of you who follow the Cowboys know, um, this was the week in which they had their uh, mandatory minicamp, and we thought there'd be all kinds of awesome news coming out of minicamp, and only to learn that uh, Mike McCarthy decided to curtail minicamp after one day. So. Um, you know, he wanted to get, he, he report, reported in the, the Thursday presser, I believe it was, maybe it was a Wednesday presser, uh, that uh, he wanted to give the, the, the vets a break and, and give the, give the uh, rookies and, and first-year guys a little bit of extra time. So and that makes a lot of sense uh, because, you know, they're the ones that have to play catch-up. And, and if you're installing the system that other guys are, have already been a part of, then they don't need quite as much time. So I think that it makes a lot of sense. It feels like it's fairly smart, but it also feels like in some ways it, it it's another piece of evidence that um, that supports a lot of what we talked about last time. So what are your thoughts about the fact that uh, that 
McCarthy kind of shut things down surprisingly early. Well, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, it, I obviously I'm very, very supportive of any type of um, extra rest. Uh, any of the vets can get that and dealing with any sort of nagging injuries for sure. I, I support that. Um, you know, the part about, you know, with the, the younger ones, you know, as they're doing these installs and stuff, you know, giving them more of a mental break. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm worried, but you know, I certainly, that's something that's important. And I, I don't know what really drove that. If it was, you know, how much of this or that, I, I hope it's not a situation to where it was a little bit reactionary. Like, you know, these guys, some, you know, some, some guys aren't getting it and it's, you know, maybe we just need, you know, sometimes you need to have to step away. You just got to like when, yeah. when it's overwhelming, so you got to step away and it's, it's kind of, and is this something that, uh, where it's like, you know, maybe that's the, the course of action that is needed, needed here. So, you know, if, you know, if I'm trying to really read into it and, and find something from it, I mean, that would be one thing that wouldn't be, um, you know, all that great, but I don't know. At any time you can get some, some, bro time and do some bonding and you know with the boys i guess that's 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 got to be a, pu- a plus wouldn't you think grabs oh absolutely absolutely i mean you know creating culture and building culture and, and integrating new guys into the culture is, is super important I, I think that you know the the bonds that that men feel for each other can take you not as far as talent but they can take you a long way you know i, I think teams that, that really want to play for each other can uh, can have a lot of success and, and that that sort of magical greater than the sum of the parts thing can kind of kick in and happen mm-hmm. let me ask you a question though this 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 you know mike mccarthy seems to be the kind of guy who's more likely to give his guys a little bit of a rest more likely to to want to make sure he's really managing their workload we talked about this last week we talked about how important it is really that the, that the primary goal of the offseason is to get your your primary players but you know your team generally your top 53 to game one to week one healthy uh and it does seem like he prioritizes that above all else right and so i think as a result some people kind of think he's a little lazy or he's not driven and i know there's some, there's some like you know there's a little bit of a narrative in that regard in the in the dallas media um that actually comes from somebody who knows former scouts in green bay who will remain nameless this particular juncture, but I guess what I'm, what I get the sense from a lot of people on Cowboys Twitter and Cowboy followers that they really think that, that McCarthy's like a short-term coach. Yeah. And I guess what I'm I'm wondering, I'd love to hear from you. Like, if you had to, if you had to bet your house, how long would you think McCarthy is going to be the coach in Dallas? Oh man, that's that's a big wager. Oh, Brad. You know, I, I, you know, you know how I, uh, you know, kind of where I stand with Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I feel this will be his last year with the Cowboys. Um, really? I do. I mean, if, if, if I have to put my chips somewhere, which is what you're asking me to do right now, is you know, you know, I'm asking you to bet your house. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but I have to. <laughs> if I have to take the bet, I have to pick something. I have to look. Yeah. Um, no. And I mean, if. <laughs> I've never been I've never been a fan of of Mike McCarthy. Um I there's a lot I can there's a list of things, you know, reasons why that I I don't care for him as a coach, but um one of the things I then the reason I would say I, I'm giving him this year is because I really think that a, a couple things. 
Um, first, I I just don't think that he's that great, and and he will have another year to, to sh- uh, where he'll show himself as not that great. And also, another thing too is is I think the Cowboys they they want to hang on to Quinn, and I think that that's what in order for that to happen, I think they're gonna have to make a move like that. And I don't to me, Dan Quinn is is the most valuable. Uh, football coach on this football team and I don't think the Cowboys can risk losing him and I, I don't think he's going to be an, a coordinator in, any longer after this year I really think in fact it's really weird that he's not you know doesn't have a head coaching job right now and it's almost like it's he, he's like just waiting for this opportunity so to me I, that's that's where I'm going I mean the other choices Rabs are like you know maybe a couple years longer or he has success in Dallas. So where would you, if you're betting your house, where, you know, where are you thinking McCarthy's going to go? Well, let me, let me ask you one question first and then I'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll share where I think McCarthy, how long he's going to be there. Um, so what are the conditions where Quinn replaces McCarthy? What has to happen for that to happen? I think it's more of the same. I think it's like, you know, you see the Cowboys uh, come up short, you know, good team, you know, they, they play well for you know parts of the season. You know the the talents there. It's get with the fans get excited again because we know what they're capable of, and I think they come up short. And it's not anything that's like well McCarthy's any different than he was before. You know McCarthy is McCarthy, and I just think you know like we've talked you know ad nauseum about this. It's you got the Cowboys need some good fortune if if they're going to you know take the next step. And um, I so it's they have just as much chance to fail again, you know? And I, mm-hmm. so I, I don't, I think unless they're lucky, I think it's going to be as, you know, I hate to use this as so cliche, but another disappointing season, you know, where the Cowboys just don't reach the promised land. And, you know, they, so, so, so let me ask you this. Uh, does, does that mean they don't make the playoffs? Does that mean they finish sub 500? Oh, does that no, mean they finish no. Those 12 two... and five and then losing in, the, in one of the first couple rounds in the playoffs? Like, like what level of don't of disappointment are we talking no, about? I'd say that anything short of NFC championship is, is the, no, if we don't make playoffs, McCarthy's done. If we, if, we're, if we have a losing season, I mean, no way. I mean, we, we could be talking, you know, interim, co- we could be talking Quinn mid C if, if we start having losing, if, if we start losing. Well, well, so, but, so this is, this is actually why I asked the question, because let's think about this. If the Cowboys are losing, and there's several reasons why they could have a losing season, but let's imagine they're losing uh, and, and they're, they are sub 500. What's the most likely reason they're going to be losing? Well, health is the most likely. Sure. So, I mean, so let, let's say, let's say Dak is healthy and, and they're losing. What's the most likely reason? Uh, so Dak's healthy and they're still losing. Yeah, probably just um, they came out flat in their losing games. They shouldn't have. They're, they're losing games to mm-hmm. some of that week schedule that they got coming this year. It's just un- unnecessary things happen, you know, like some of the stuff mm-hmm. that, that's already followed uh, McCarthy, uh, you know, with some late games decisions. And I think, I think you're going to have, you'd see like a series of blunders, you know, throughout, through the course of eight or nine games for, you know, to be so, so you're imagining a situation in which they they start three and five, but they start three and five because McCarthy makes evident and, and uh, coaching gaps during the game, right? Well, I'm I'm not imagining it, and I mean, I, you're it, I'm, to to play along with this hypothetical. I uh, yeah yeah yeah. I well, so the reason I ask this question is, I think one of the things we have to remember is that. Um, 
is that defensive performance is the most sort of fluctuant thing year to year, right? So the likelihood that the Cowboys defense is good next year is, or, or better than it was this year is, is low. I mean, or certainly in terms of like turnovers and things like that, like there's a high level of random randomness in, in, in those things that went the Cowboys way last year. So one of the reasons why I, I ask these questions is because to me, there has to like, what's the scenario in which Quinn replaces McCarthy? And that scenario is the defense improves, but the offense falls off so far, but they, but it's not because of health, because if that goes down or if some of the really key players go down, McCarthy gets an extra year because he gets a reprieve because, you know, because of player health, you can't fault the coach for player health necessarily. Um, And so I guess what I'm, it feels like there's only one avenue to that, which is that the offense falls apart, even though it has great health, and that somehow is McCarthy's fault, and the defense maintains its level of last year or improves, right? And, and, and I feel like that's a very unlikely scenario because the, the, I think the more likely scenario, frankly, is that this defense plays a lot closer to how it did in 2020. Yeah, no, because because of the talent. I mean, I, I think I think that they were better last year, but but the re- one of the reasons they were better is they had, yeah, I mean, they had Micah, you know, and 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 Trevon Diggs grew up and all. I mean, I, I, we know all that. that. That's all great, but they still have a lot of the same players they had in 2020. And I think Dan Quinn's probably a better a better coach than uh, Mike Nolan, but also he benefited from a lot of randomness. Like those turnovers were random, yeah. a lot of them. No, I you know. And so, and so what, what if the turnovers, what, like instead of 20 interceptions or whatever they have, what if they have five, you know, um, they're going to have a hard time stopping people because they're, they're okay, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of weak spots in this defense. So I guess I, I, all I'm saying is, I think, I think the path to ha- hiring Dan Quinn is, is there's like a fork, there's like many forks in this path and only one of them really leads to hiring Dan Quinn and it's probably one of the least likely ones. And, and so we like Dan Quinn because of the way he, the way he stands up uh, and talks to the media. I mean, listen, I, would I rather have Dan Quinn than Mike McCarthy as our coach? Yeah, but I'm not the Joneses. They, the Joneses want what's comfortable. And I, I think they're starting to grow comfortable with, with, with Mike McCarthy. I think that, they are going to have, I think he's got, I mean, let's listen, they gave Jason Garrett a hell of a long rope. And I, I don't know that they'll give McCarthy quite such a long rope because he's not an internal guy. He's not their, you know, adopted son, but they're going to give him a lot. Of, they're going to give him a lot of rope. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a couple more good, good, but not, you know, Super Bowl winning years. If he has a couple more good years. If he's their, if he's their coach for eight to 10 years. It's possible. It's possible. And, and, uh, I was, because Jerry, does, unless Jerry dies, because Jerry does not want to continue to, um, have to start over because he recognizes that when you start over, you have new systems, you have new players. And I think one of the things that, and I think he's right about this. One of the things that, that, um, that bad teams do is overreact and fire coaches all the time. And so they're constantly starting over. They're constantly like re- recycling players and systems and, um, and, and they're they're in a perpetual state of rebuild, and I think Jerry understands that that that's that that's something that they want to try to avoid. And so I believe that they that, he'll, that they will stick with the coach long after we've tired of him, just like they did with Jason Garrett. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think first off, I, I I do totally agree. This that's that the path that you described. That is the you know the more likely path. You know, if the Cowboys are bad and just you know it, it would seem like it would fall on you know on the defense regressing. And I and I do think that there will be a lot of regression. There's going to be. It's inevitable and stuff. But but I think this is the the, the real clincher for me is I think with that with with some of that regression that will happen and to see the play of the defense and and some of the players you know some of the you know career year players from last year actually have another career year or you know some of these players will even play better and i think it creates an opportunity where this cowboys defense is at at times and maybe even close to half the year the best part of this football team and that's not saying that the offense is just terrible it's just that i think that you're going to see some you know some good play for i think i think the defense is on the rise and i think that's they they finally have a really great coach and and they do have some key key pieces so i think the cowboy i could see a scenario i guess what i'm saying is i can see a scenario where the cowboys i wouldn't say are bad but are just disappointing even with a defense that finally shows up after you know, a decade of just like, where have they been? And to me, it, it, if that happens, you start to look at, well, what, you know, like the other question you asked, why are they not winning? Why aren't they not doing better? Are, is there strife in the locker? Are people like pointing fingers all of a sudden? Are they making excuses about the officiating that, that they did last year? I mean, so that's, that's why I think that the evidence I've seen, I just think, you know, Quinn, I believe in him. McCarthy, I don't. So I, if the Cowboys do not show some type of, you know, improvement or, to, you know, take it to the next level, I do think that the Jones are going to be like, what are we doing again? I mean, is, was McCarthy, was he our guy? And, and then it, it wouldn't surprise me to see a, a switch. So that's why, I mean, if you're asking me to bet, I'm going to say McCarthy one more year. I mean, my next choice would be McCarthy two more years and then, Anything I I would just keep going before I would say McCarthy's going to take this team, you know, win a Super Bowl. So that's where I'm at. Fair enough. Okay. But um, and speaking of McCarthy too, is the we learned on um, Thursday that the uh, McCarthy was fined by the NFL for uh, having practices that they uh, classified as too physical. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's actually the second year in a row that McCarthy was, is fined for uh, for that, and actually it's going to cost the not only is it cost you know it's hundred thousand dollars this time, but the Cowboys will lose uh, an OTA for next season. So um, does that mean anything to you? You care? Nothing? I don't know. I mean, I, do I do I? Wish they had another OTA next year. I mean, they're probably not going to use them all anyway. I, I um, I don't know. So let me put it. I'll, I'll turn it back on you. Would you rather have fewer, more physical practices or more or less physical practices? I, I think I'd prefer to have fewer, more physical practices and pay the consequences. McCarthy's a multimillionaire. He can afford a hundred k. Whatever. The, the the what I don't want, and you know, and this is the only thing I take out of that because I, you know, there's people like you say, the cowboy fans is like. Oh, you know, we're too or too soft, or you know, we're too too aggressive, and they're just like, you can go either way. But what I don't want is I just don't want dis disarray. I don't want McCarthy like not 
having control of the situation or not paying attention to the situation. And, and that's one thing I saw last year, but thanks courtesy of Hard Knocks, is he just didn't have control. I mean, we, we saw like the first day with, of, you know, that, that the Cowboys took the field and Dak was just throwing the ball just relentlessly. And, you know, it took it to the end of the day and uh, he's like kept tracking his passes. And then he was like, oh, that's way too much. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what do you think Dak's gonna do? You think Dak's Dak's ready? He's he's you know he's just chomping at the bit, and and of course then it wasn't much longer. And what what happened? Dak has a shoulder injury, so that that kind of like just not having control over the situation is <coughs> is what bothers me more than anything. I mean, I don't have an opinion. I don't. I obviously don't want players to get hurt. So, um, but I don't know. To me, to McCarthy just seems like he's. He's almost like kind of an uh, after-the-fact kind of guy, like, oh, that probably wasn't a good idea, or just, you know, I I just think he's a little slow, you know, to, to step in and, and be a head coach. So I think that one of the things that, that we as fans want to see in a head coach is a sort of type A personality who manages everything, Right. And I, and I think that that's certainly one leadership style, and that's a leadership style that has been effective for certain coaches. But I think other, I think other, there are there are other leadership styles that have been successful in the NFL, and one of them is to be a good delegator. I mean, he has two really good coordinators. He this may be the best pair of coordinators. I know people are sort of like on the fence about Kellen Moore, especially after last year's defensive, uh, excuse me, offensive malaise in the second half of the year. But I mean, he, he's. I think there's some problems with Kellen Moore conceptually, but but it, he's also a brilliant offensive mind. He's a good coordinator. The offense has been good and creative since he since he assumed that role. And so McCarthy's a delegator. I mean, I think that I think that it's okay to be a, dele, a delegator, and you can be actually a, a really good coach and be a delegator and not be a sort of like you know um, type A red ass. I think there are other ways to do it. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I think it's a very, it's a really interesting question. It's a really interesting question. I, I, part of it is I just wonder if, if like, if McCarthy wasn't just sort of like, so it's kind of fat and dopey looking. Would we, would we trust him more as a coach? <laughs> what a weird, what a weird thing to, you think that word, the word, uh, Tripped up by, I do, I do, I do. I think, I think we are. I think we're, we're we're tripped up by the fact that he just sort of looks big and fat and tired and 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 I think he probably has a lot. He's not an he's not an energetic guy in in the same way that we that we're used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just a it's just a question. Everything everything's on the table. I mean, we the way people you, you know perceive you know, that that you know that's 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 a real thing. So it's certainly it you know could have some meaning. To me, I think I'm more I'm more uh, influenced by his dopey type of responses and just I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times, and it's usually because the media is being dopey. But there's time where McCarthy looks really like smarter than everybody because the way he will handle some of the questions and stuff. But uh, there are other times huh? too where I'm just like, well, what does he? He just seems like you know a little bit off and uh, something I don't know. And it's a so it's it's the the word dopiness that bothers me more about the the McCarthy than anything. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, 
Interesting. So, okay. So, got some uh, news. Looks like AT&T Stadium will be uh, host to the World Cup in 2026. So, um, I don't know how excited you are by that. Uh, I will say for myself, uh, I don't really care because I don't follow soccer or anything. I, I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you any soccer players outside of Pele and um, and uh, <laughs> whoever is married to uh, Posh Spice. Um, I, that's that's it for me. I mean, I just, but uh, I don't know. What about you? I I don't mean to you know, I'm, say something positive. Um, so so I actually don't I don't follow soccer either. Um, but it's largely because I don't follow any. I mean, my like my the the kind of field of sports that I've followed closely has has narrowed over the course of my life as I've become busier and busier. And it's really narrowed to the point where it's it's largely the Cowboys. And so that's why I'm here on this podcast with you instead of on a soccer podcast. Um, I do like soccer, uh, but I don't like soccer like year round. I, I, I have to say that I think the World Cup is a fascinating, fascinating event. And I watch a lot of the World Cup games. And I actually went to a World Cup game in 1994 the, world, the last time the World Cup was in the United States, I went to a game. Um, I was living in the Bay Area. I went to a game at Stanford Stadium, and it was the um, USA playing Brazil in the round of 16. And it was a great game. It was a good, it was a good U, uh, U.S. team, and they hadn't, they hadn't you know, been much of a World Cup presence for a long time. And Brazil, of course, is a perennial powerhouse and the home of the one soccer player that you can name. And, um, and uh, it was a 1-0 game. It was a really good game, and USA uh, – you know, ultimately it was like, it wasn't as close as one nil, like, like uh, Brazil kind of played with them, but the USA hung tough and didn't lose eight, nothing or something, you know? And so um, it was a good game. It was a great atmosphere and soccer fans are nuts. They're nuts. And, and they have a lot of fun. And um, so it's, it's really, it's really, it's really fun to be in the stadium. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of my life pursuing, you know, tickets to soccer games, but um that one time, and I've been to a couple like MSL games. Uh, that one time really showed me how just how fun. Like the Brazilian fans were dancing and you know sobbing and playing drums and doing all kinds. Of, it was just a lot of fun, really, really fun. So uh, I hope I hope that people can you know go to go to the, the games in AT and T and have as much fun. But the, the truth of the matter is, AT and T is the kind of place that um, is kind of anti fun. So hopefully, hopefully there'll be some there'll be a fun atmosphere there. Yeah, well, for for those that enjoy the sport, enjoy the event. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, really exciting. And uh, yeah, I uh, that will be a good time. That's that is four years from now, by the way. So yeah. I have yeah. a question for you. Actually, it's not even my question. It's a good pal RJ's question. In fact, I support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, I know he's a big soccer fan, so uh, I do want to give him props for this fantastic question. I wanted to ask you, is he tweeted today, uh, or actually yesterday, um, what will AT&T, AT&T Stadium host first? The World Cup that's happening in 2026 or an NFC Championship game? So we just kind of talked about a little bit, like, you know, betting our house. So I'm asking you, Rabs, is, is it going to happen four years? Do we got four years? Do, do you see it happening? No, I think it's going to be a World Cup. <laughs> well, that's Cup. terrible. <laughs> well, well, okay, but I think part of it also is if if the if AT and T is is hosting a world uh, excuse me an, an NFC Championship game, that's because the Cowboys have the top seed or, Ooh, or, or you know nice. or the highest seed or the highest seed remaining, right? You're right. So I, I think the Cowboys can be in an NFC Championship game, but I think that then if, if they're hosting it, then we're talking about a whole nother level. That means they're either the top seed or they're like the two seed and the top seed got eliminated or something like that happens. So um, I would say that reduces the chances of them hosting because the Cowboys can get to an NFC Championship game, but not necessarily at home. That's a great answer, Rabs. And you know what? I, I, I applaud you for playing the odds and Cowboy fans. You know, I mean, <laughs> got to give them credit there for, uh, you know, we could still move on to the Super Bowl, but it's, you know, it just may not be through Dallas. So I do, that's right. that's, I do think that's the right answer because odds are, yeah, probably not. It's going to take that exact thing, the Cowboys, to host posted for that to happen so good answer rabs thanks man um so now it's time for you to give me a good answer so uh a uh, couple couple things one is that our, our friend uh kelvin joseph is uh was nicked up and missed missed like the you know the last of the mandatory minicamp practice but he's expected to be a full go when training camp starts um but i think that you know everybody's kind of assuming that he's the heir apparent and he's going to, you know, and you know, he's going to sort of pair with Trevon Diggs. To, you know, there's going to be a couple of, you know, dominant corners, et cetera. And yes, he's a very talented dude. And he's I think probably every bit as, as talented as Patrick Sertain. And um, uh, who's the other, the other cat who J- was like the, the first round? J.C. Horn. Uh, yeah, thank you, J.C. Horn, um, who were, you know, those early, early picks a couple of years ago. Uh, but I, but I wonder if, if in assuming that that's the case, if we don't continue to vastly underrate Anthony Brown, the man with the potato chip on his shoulder. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. We do. We do. It's, and you know what, even I, I will say I did too, because I actually thought he, he was, he, he was limited just to, to play the slide and nothing else. I think that, Outside, there was a lot. He had a, a solid rookie year, I will say, it playing in various points. And but um, he, he's had. There's been a lot of tape recently where he just could been really, you know, vulnerable on the outside. And uh, the Cowboys have had because of this reason or that reason have had to use him in that manner. And I think so. That's that's a little unfair, but that's uh, to me. You know, he just hasn't been playing well. However. I think that changed a little bit this this past season with you know under Dan Quinn you know, and I think you saw a lot of the good from Anthony Brown. In fact, I just wrote an article that came out yesterday 
um, where I actually think the Cowboys have found their their outside corner opposite Trayvon Diggs. And you know, I'm 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 a big I don't like Kev, Kelvin Joseph. I'm certainly hoping that he turns into a good player, and I, he does have raw ability and stuff. But I I thought the pick was too around too early. Uh, it was definitely a, a risky pick, and I've just never been never liked the pick. And uh, I did not. Everything we've seen thus far, you know, with uh, I know a lot of it's injury related, but he's I just I don't have confidence in the guy, and I do I do think that Anthony Brown is a better player than a lot of a lot of us are willing to, you know, to give him credit for. In fact, I'm glad people are at least I, for the most part are stopping with the Anthony Brown Jordan Lewis debate. You know, I know that was a big thing for a while. I I, I don't think that that's a debate anymore. Both of them are are solid in the slot, though. I mean, Jordan Lewis can play slot. I'll give him. Jordan Lewis is burnt toast on the outside, so he can't even he he has no chance out there. So, but I like Anthony Brown. I think the Cowboys would be smart to actually see in what what how he performed under under Quinn, and it can maybe get uh, get him for you know a few more years for relatively cheap. It wouldn't hurt my feelings for them to re up and and him uh, and invest in the guy that everybody is just waiting to be released. So that's mm-hmm. that's my thought on Anthony. What are you? You you are you in on Brown? You know, he reminds me a lot of another cornerback named Brown. They they've drafted in the past. Our, our friend Larry Brown was drafted in '91 in the 12th round, and I think that both of them they they share similar profiles. Not just the same last name, but that that also both of them were later round picks, like you know one of the, one of the last rounds in their respective drafts. But they also had like fairly elite athletic traits maybe not all of the maybe not across the board both of them were like four three guys they both had good size they both had some things that that i think would allow them to compete and i think that's the reason the cowboys drafted both of them when they did like i don't think in either case they necessarily you know needed uh i mean when you're when you're that late in the draft you don't like say oh we have to draft a corner you just basically draft someone who has traits and they drafted those guys because they had traits and and um you know, and then you hope that they'll that they have the makeup to be able to use that whatever that trait is to become successful. And Anthony Brown has. I mean, he's you know he continues to play with the proverbial and the literal uh, <laughs> chip on his shoulder. Um, but he has he has some quickness and he has some short area quickness, and he has really good makeup speed. He's a legit like four three guy. Right. And so um, so yeah. So I think that you know here's the thing. I, this, we talked about this when we talked about Cowboys free agency and we talked about we talked about fans reaction to Cowboys free agency, et cetera. We way, way, way overrate guys who are first rounders. We way, way overrate guys who are all pros. You know, the, the, the sort of the guys that they get talked about on NFL network, you know, et cetera, by the, by the sort of like, you know, not particularly wise or, or, or uh, you know, deep thinking pundit class. And I think the I think that the, the the difference in talent and capacity and ability between first rounders and fifth rounders is really not that not that great. I mean, there there are guys who are more athletic, but they're we're talking about incrementally more athletic, you know, in the great scheme of things. And um, a lot a lot of it is you know they have they have demonstrated this on tape or you know or or whatever or they have better, maybe they have better size or something like that. But um, what we tend to think that the guys who were picked in the sixth round suck, right? You hear a lot of, oh, he sucks. He's a sixth rounder. You know, he's an afterthought. And the reality is that you're getting great athletes in the sixth round. And if the guy, if the guy has what it takes, then 
there's every there's no reason why he can't be a great player. And so um, I think that Andy Anthony Brown gets underrated largely because of where he's drafted. You know, he's drafted in a round where people were sort of done following the draft. Oh, Anthony Brown. And, you know, if he was drafted in the second round, everybody would, everybody would love the guy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because sometimes I feel like maybe our perception could be flipped around a little bit in the sense of, like, we give, we give someone a little more slack if they're a later-round pick versus somebody who we're overcritical on the ones that are higher investments. But well, I, I think that's true, too. So uh, th- this, is, this is a great example because we just started talking about Calvin Joseph, who was picked in the second round, and, and we're not giving him the slack that, precisely, um, right. that he might actually deserve because he's really only had one year in the league, you know, um, that, he, that he might actually merit because, uh, because he was a second rounder. Right. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like we're always finding some, some reason to kind of be skeptical about a guy, you know, Oh, he hasn't fulfilled his potential. Oh, he's not good. He was drafting six. He sucks. You know, I think that, um, that, you know, I think we, as we, as fans will, will always, you know, the one thing we do really well and do really consistently as fans is, find a reason to tear a dude down right yeah and i'm um, go ahead no and I, I and i'm really done tearing you know listening to anybody tearing down anthony brown i think he's a, a mm-hmm. solid corner um you know and that and he's the way he's playing on the outside you know i, I have to give him more credit than i've given him even in the in the past so so i think he's a good player and uh you know i'm he could be like i said he could end up being we didn't draft anybody we didn't you know we we didn't get certain because of we got Micah, and then we I think we may may have panicked a little bit because we didn't get certain. So we went after Joseph, and and I think that was you know both of those things just kind of really opened the door for for Quinn to or for um Brown to step in, and then with the addition of of Quinn, I think we might have found something, and so yeah. I'm kind of excited. I mean, I did, Diggs and Brown, you know, uh, that's that's you could do worse than that, and I think that's I, I like those guys so. Speaking of doing worse than that, I wanted to ask you my last question to you is, you know, it's throwing it, you know, a little bit towards your neck of the woods here. I want to ask you what you think about the Philadelphia Eagles' new, really stupid logo. <laughs> um, well, I, I think I think you've ac- accurately uh, um, defined it. It's really stupid. Um, it's so funny when when teams try to rebrand. And oftentimes they'll they'll like go to a, um, you know, to some sort of like PR firm or something for the rebranding, and you you just know that the people in the PR firm don't even follow football or know anything about it, you know, and and so they're choosing fonts that are like modern, and and as opposed to like you know most people just want like old English fonts or fonts that 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 are the most kick-ass fonts that really have that are more like in line with you know um, barbarians brutalizing a town. Than they are with like modern, and so the Eagles have this sort of like now now this this new modern font. But you know that what's really funny about this for me is that uh, I was actually driving and was running some errands today, and um, just listening to uh, some music on my phone, like my you know on Bluetooth on my in my car, and um, I had no idea that I even had this on my phone. I mean, I've got like ten thousand songs on my phone. It's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous how many how many pieces of music I have on my phone. And so stuff's always coming up that I'm like, I didn't even know I had that. And so something came up from 2014, from when I did the podcast with uh, Landon that I got from um, the ticket for their like Chris. They did this Christmas songs thing that were like sports related songs. And, and our dear friend, Bob Sturm, 
did a song because right about that Christmas time, the Eagles had just been kind of eliminated because if you remember the Eagles were having, Chip Kelly was the coach then, they were doing really well, and then they lost like a couple games. They lost to Seattle, and then they lost to the Cowboys in the really exciting Sunday night game where the Cowboys had a big lead and then lost it and then came back. And then I think they, um, and then they lost the following week to Washington. So like the, uh, the Cowboys, and then the Cowboys destroyed Indianapolis and won the division. And so Bob came on and sung this song to uh, the sound of a Christmas carol about the Cowboys, uh, excuse me, about the Eagles not having a Super Bowl. This is, of course, before the Eagles ever, ever won a Super Bowl. And, um, and it came on today, you know, here in the middle of June uh, in Southern California, this song comes on, and it was delightful. It was delightful. I could not stop cackling in the car because I forgot all about it and didn't know I had it. I was like, what is this? Who is this singer? Who is this, like, low-voiced, kind of slightly off-tune singer? And I was like, holy, holy crap, that's Bob Sturm. And I was like, what is, what is this? And so then I remembered, actually remembered having it. So I think I, th- I liked it so much at the time that I, um, that, you know, like Landon and I actually brought it uh, and played it as part of our podcast. So apparently in the process of doing that, it, the, it ended up on my, nice. on my iTunes and, um, and was just buried there, you know, and I haven't heard it since. So it, it's funny that that came at the same moment that this sort of ridiculously bad logo came. So that this logo that's, um, you know, not, not remotely fearsome. We're going to, going to um, scare anybody. It's just, yeah, it, I don't, under, I mean, it just seems so plain and I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't know. It just like, it, you know, like when you're like, you're trying to find that perfect font, you know, to do, you know, and then you finally like, you get so frustrated, like just enough of this. Just go with something just general, and I feel like that's what they came up with. Like they they had enough. Let's just let's just go with this, and uh, so maybe maybe yeah. They were like they were like we don't have time to talk about the same. Let's, oh, let's just go with this. I mean, one. their fight song is what "Fly Eagles Fly." I mean, so you know that they don't spend a lot of time, you know, coming up with these things. So it's just like let's yeah. Just... I mean, their number one chant is to spell the word eagles. <laughs> eagles. <laughs> yeah. So. so... Yeah, so I mean, today, today's a good day to, to make fun of the Eagles. I mean, I, I think that um, you know we talked earlier about about the Cowboys' defense regressing, and likely that's going to happen. And I think that that's pretty likely. But I also think there's a, a high likelihood that the Eagles, uh, toward the end of the, la- of the year last year, when they basically, you know, week after week, uh, were lined up against a gallery of patsies. Uh, end up with a record that was significantly better than their ability and talent last year. And I know they've had a quote unquote great off season, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles regress next year. Yeah. I think it all depends on, on, you know, number one back there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just how, you know, it's, it always depends on, on your, on your quarterback. And so it all, if he, if he plays well, I think that that's going to be a problem because I do, I do think the Eagles have a good team. I think they have some good players and I think that, I could I could envision um, in in the range of outcomes. I mean, I can envision them being being a good team, um, but it definitely falls on the the arm of of and, and the legs of you know Jalen Hurts. So I guess we'll have to see how that. Uh, of course, we're all working hoping for that to just not work out. But um, certainly, if he if he plays well, I think that could be a problem. But their logo yeah, is still yeah. stupid. Yeah, even if he plays well, the logo. At the very least, they have, a, they have a stupid logo. Stupid logo. So you know, one of the things about the Eagles is that uh, everybody's been talking about how great their draft was, and you know uh, how much talent they brought in this this season. But they're not the only team that brought in talent. I think the Cowboys brought in some talent too. I know that people are disappointed because they didn't bring in a big name free agent who was a good player five years ago. But um, 
they, they did have a pretty, I, I think ultimately they, they had a pretty good draft. And, and one of the, the things I think that, um, one of the stories that did come out of the one day of mini camp um, that the that they did hold for that included veterans is actually how well some of the youngins played during that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for one example is our friend Sam Williams had four sacks. Now, granted, three, I think all four of them came against young offensive linemen. It wasn't like they all came against Zach Martin and Tyron Smith, but he did have four sacks, and that's that's nothing to sneeze at. So I know it's early times, um, but if you again, I'm going to ask you to bet the house. Who do you think has the best rookie season for the Cowboys this year uh, among the, oh, the 2022 draftees? Once again with the house, man. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to keep betting. I'm going to keep putting out propositions so you lose your house, Dan. You're homeless, <laughs> and you have to cut. You have to come live in Oxnard and be at training camp with me. Uh, so you know what I. Uh, I mean, the safe play would probably pick, would take their best guy, right? Um, but I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my gut and how I felt during the draft. I'm going to, I'm going to take the guy that I liked in the draft the most, the the, the pick that I liked the most, and I'm, I'm going to go with, um, with Jalen Tolbert. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the reason I think he'll have the best rookie season is. A couple, well, a couple of reasons. I think his opportunities are going to be more plentiful. Maybe not. You know, he, Tyler Smith's going to have plenty of opportunities, but I, you know, how I feel about that. I feel like that's going to be kind of a slower developing thing. So, but I think that Tolbert will right out of the gate get some opportunities with Gallup being missing time. You know, the Cowboys' offense. I think you know they're going to be, you know, throwing the ball, and, um, and so he's going to be he's going to be the number two guy. You know, and I. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think they got a great, just a great deal to get him in third round. He's very similar, like Gallup, in the sense of like he can step in, I think, and uh, you mm-hmm. know make make an impact. So, so my answer is going to be for just speaking solely on the 2022 season. I think that uh, it's going to be Jalen Tolbert. Hmm. Interesting. I think I think that's I think that's a, that's a really uh, it's a wise pick. I think that there's need there. Um, and I think that he's got some, he's, he's a really interesting receiver. He really is. I, I also will say that the likelihood that rookie receivers make a big impact is low historically. And so I, I think that he has the tools. I don't know if he has the, the, the makeup, but I think he has the tools to be um, an exception at the position. But man, historically, there's so many times we'd see, you know, uh, young receivers not really come into their own until year three. It's just sort of what it takes. Even guys who play major college and even guys who come from major, you know, passing games and, and things. I, I think I think the requirements on receivers, particularly in terms of re- reading defenses and, and reacting in the moment, are so are so heavy in the NFL, so demanding that I think it just takes a I think it takes a while for guys to acclimate. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really hope he's the exception because they need him to be the exception. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I mean, obviously, I think that's it's there. There's going to be a learning curve for him and stuff. But I, I do think another thing too is, which is why, you know, people kind of they they kind of overreact to this when they talk about some of the receivers like Chase Clay, Chase Claypool is an example I give, and I, I think that when the situation that you are you fall into has a mm-hmm. has a big big say in that so too and i think mm-hmm. that and that's, that's where i think tolbert has you know a, a, a nice edge there because he, he's going to be he, he's got a good he's he's coming into a great quarterback i'm you know contrary to what a lot of people might tell you but 
you know, the, the you know great offense, number one offense in the league last year, and, uh, and the opportunities, like I said, it's going to be there. So, I mean, he's he'll still have his rookie moments by all means, but I do think that I it wouldn't surprise me if he pushes seven. 700, 800 yards, you know, as a, as a rookie, just because yeah. of, of the opportunities that, that he'll get. So also too, I, and um, I did want to mention too uh, with, with Sam Williams and not that I don't think that he's going to be a good player or anything, but I do think that, you know, it will, again, opportunities, you know, there, there's a lot of people that will be uh, vying for snaps on the edge. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, that's, as, as a rookie edge defender, you know, coming in there, I think that will probably limit his overall rookie impact uh, a bit there. So that's that's why, you know, he's, you know, I've skipped over him. And also, too, you, I've already spoke plenty about Tyler Smith, which I, I'm surprised that's not that's not your pick. I mean, what's going on with that? I mean. No, I, I, I didn't make my pick yet. Oh, I think oh okay. That, um... You just said mine was wise. Okay. But yours is no. I'd say yours is wise. Yeah, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I'm making a wise pick. Um, so, in thinking about rookies doing well year one, I think it's it's you know one of the things I look at is is what are the positions where guys just tend to come in historically and do well because the positions rely more on just raw athletic ability than they do on learning the nuances of the position and the way it fits in with all the, you know, all the other people in the field, et cetera. And the positions where that's most likely to happen historically are cornerback and, and running back. But I think another position where that, because they don't really have one of those guys who, who, who seems like they're an obvious choice in that regard. So I think another position where um, that can be the case is designated pass rusher. Now, I think Sam Williams is probably not ready to set the edge. He's probably not ready. Uh, he needs to, he to gain some heft, et cetera. But I also think that um, you're right about opportunities, but I think that he will, if he, especially if he continues to, to sort of flash some, some get-off speed, I think he will get off for opportunities in pass rushing situations. And ultimately, that's what we remember. We don't care if a guy sets the edge. No one, no one, no one lo- values Demarcus Lawrence, even though he's – one of the most, if not the most complete defensive end in football, because he sets the edge beautifully. They, they, they always denigrating him because he doesn't get enough sacks. Um, conversely, we're going to overrate somebody and somebody's season. If he gets if he gets sacks, because he does get opportunities in pass rush situations. I think our, our friend, Sam Liam, as long as he continues to play like he has thus far, might just get that. And so, um, because I, I do think they meet, they, they, they're going to miss that Randy Gregory sort of electric get off. On, on the open side. And I think that Sam Williams does have a little bit of that. He has, maybe has more of that than we thought. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on a limb here. Um, and I'm going to say Sam Ooh, Williams. Sam okay. So I'm, I'm going to, I want to ask you the same question again, but I'm going to just um, spice it up a bit. I want you to answer, tell me, I'm going to tell you right now in this hypothetical, um, one of the Cowboys rookie flirted with the pro bowl season. I'm not, we're not saying who, one of the Cowboys rookie flirts with the Pro Bowl season. Let's just say that is a true statement for this season. Now, my question for you is, which player could it be? Which player would you want it to be that would best overall, you know, help the Cowboys? If if this one rookie has flirts with the Pro Bowl season, what's going to be the best situation for Dallas? If if it was the player you're going to tell me right now. 
I, I think Sam Williams. Sam, I, Sam I Williams. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that they need Tyler Smith to be a Pro Bowl. I think I think they need him not to be a like a, a significantly weak link. I think they need him to to play well. I think that um, I don't know that it's. I mean, listen, if if Jalen Tolbert has a Pro Bowl season, that's great. But it also means that, that he's getting opportunities that other people aren't. So that means that something else is going wrong. Like Gallup is taking a long time to get back, or C.D. Lamb's getting injured. I mean, you know, that, that it would be great if he has a Pro Bowl season, but it would also be miraculous. I mean, if he has a Pro Bowl season, that means he's like either outplaying C.D. Lamb or or C.D. Lamb's on the sidelines. I think the likelihood of him outplaying C.D. Lamb is very low because C.D. Lamb is special with a capital S. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the other thing is like, I think the second most important position on the field is pass rusher. I think the pass rush has an opportunity to neutralize a great quarterback. You, it's the one thing you can do to neutralize a great quarterback. And it's frankly one of the reasons the Cowboys have struggled um, against great quarterbacks is, is their pass rush in the last decade or so has been inconsistent. They've had good pass rushers here and there, but they hasn't, they've, they haven't had a great rush from a, you know, from a, a kind of team perspective. Um, and so if Sam Williams has a pro bowl season, Heck yeah, sign me up because they need that. They need a dominant pass rush. They need a guy who's collecting sack. If he has a if he has a Pro Bowl season and Mike and Micah has anything near like what he had last year, and you know we have we get a full season of health from from Demarcus Lawrence, um, then I think we this team has a has a legit shot. Yeah, at doing something at doing something important. I don't disagree with anything you said, but I'll tell you what: if 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 I were to hear that you know Sam Williams had a Pro Bowl season, flirted with a Pro Bowl season. You know, I, I would be probably asking myself, what happened to Micah? Did something happen to Micah? You know, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. that might, mm-hmm. you know, concern me a little bit. And I think that if Tyler Smith is flirting with the Pro Bowl nod, I think our, our offense is going to be really running over people. I think that that's going to be whether our running game is just, you know, just we're leading the league in that or just our offense is unstoppable because, you know, and I think, you know, Tyler Smith will get a lot of the, a lot of the credit, a lot of the hype. You know, if, if he's playing at a high level. So, to me, my answer would be Tyler Smith in that regard. If I think that if he, if, mm-hmm. you know, if he ends up playing. Cause, and also, too, it's then all that talk about what they say he could be, you know, basically kind of the same thing like Micah, you know. And, uh, and you know, if, if that comes to be true, then look out. So, that's uh, – I'll, I'll tell you what. If Tyler Smith uh, flirts the Pro Bowl season at tackle, that's a great thing. <laughs> I think, I think, here's the thing, like, is it really, does it really matter to have a Pro Bowl guard? I mean, guard's probably the least important position on the, on the field. No, you're right. I mean, obviously, yeah, if he's a Pro Bowl tackle, that's... Like, I mean, like, well, listen, like, one of the, one of the, the key issues the Cowboys have faced in recent years is that they did a tremendous job drafting in the early, in the early uh, 2010s. Um when they picked up in back-to-back years, Travis Frederick and Zach Martin. I mean, fa- fantastic players. I love both of them. They're some of my favorite guys that the, the Cowboys have had in recent memory. But they also play really low-priority positions, you know. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like a favorite is, is in, the, in, a, in a team scheme perspective, what's the difference between a pro bowl guard and a good guard? I don't know. I'm not sure that makes a difference. Maybe uh, seven rushing touchdowns might be your answer. 
You, you tell me they're going to get seven more rushing touchdowns because they have a, they have a, a, a Pro Bowl guard, then they just have well, like a good solid guard. Let me ask guard. you this: I, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but how how much better were the Cowboys with Travis Frederick than Joe Looney? You know, I mean, it's a word. How come we couldn't punch it in the end zone? You know, when with uh, with Looney there, then and, and we and we were Zeke was scoring at will. You know, the year prior. So, I mean. I'm just saying. Is that all because of Travis Frederick, though? It's you know what it's it's not all because of Travis Frederick, but you know when you're battling in the trenches, just that little bit can can be you know can be everything. So I uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times some of this position value, I get it, I totally understand. But good players are good players, and I think that if uh, you know if you have a player, if, if Tyler Smith flirts with the Pro Bowl and as a as a rookie in the guard spot, I think that's going to mean great things for the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. Listen, I mean, I, I that obviously that that would be the case, but I think ultimately, like, I mean, okay. So if if Sam Williams is is great and Tyler Smith is bad, that's a problem. If Tyler if Sam Williams is great and flirts with the Pro Bowl and Tyler Smith is solid and acquits himself, I think that's a better combination than the other way around. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I got, it, it, all, it all depends on what else happens, too. you got to look at, like, you know, what if, if Micah Parsons becomes the best edge rusher in the NFL, then, you know. And Sam Williams is an all-pro? <laughs> yeah, Sign yeah. me up, dude. Sign me up. All right, fine. You you, you, you get this one. You get this one. Point, point the rabs. One, one nil. One. I mean, so, so part, of, part, of this is, part of this is me – uh, watching with deep and and profound envy as otherwise mediocre Giants and Eagles teams have won Super Bowls in recent years, uh, largely on the backs of um, a pass rush yeah. that has taken over the postseason, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I look I look at you know the Cowboys have played okay, you know, in, in some postseasons recently. But I think one of the reasons why they haven't had that kind of magical run, I mean, there's many reasons, but I think one of the key reasons is they, they haven't like, you know, they haven't caught fire. And, and one of the places where you can catch fire that's really meaningful is your pass rush suddenly comes together. Like the 2011 giants, I think in particular, they were pretty, they were pretty mediocre on, on defense and particularly on pass defense for most of the year. And then suddenly and somewhat inexplicably for the end of the year, the, their defensive line got healthy, started playing better, and looked a lot more like that. You know that team that was a little more dominant in the you know in, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight when they when they were really good, and um, and the Eagles, you know, the Eagles end up having a miraculous run with a a very substandard replacement quarterback who also played out of his mind. But they but ultimately, like the reason they played so well, I think, and, and did so well was that that defensive line. Um, was really strong throughout that playoff run. All right. So, all right. So, I, I, I just feel I feel like the one place where you can you, you're not going to neutralize opposing quarterbacks with great corners. I mean, yeah, if you, if you have good secondary play, it's not going to hurt. But I think that the place where you can really neutralize great great corner great quarterbacks is with a pass rush, especially you know if if the game is if the game requires the quarterback to need to throw deep a little bit. Yeah. No. So you're, you're right. That, you know, that, I know. I. Uh, that's. You know, it makes perfect sense, but you know, let's let's not end this pod talking about the Eagles and Giants Super Bowls, Rabs. Let's uh, 
Can you uh, switch it up? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I, I, let's, let's end it on a happier note, but also there's a, there's a, there's a, a somber quality to this note. And let's, let's just take a moment to shout out the great work and frankly the growth of our good friend David Hellman. Uh, we heard, we heard, heard recently that he's leaving the mothership. He's, uh, he'll be working at Spock Sports, still covering the Cowboys. And um, I just think that, you know, I really, really respect Dave because he is not like a sort of like, you know, automatronic, um, you know, reporting machine. He's got his own personality. He found a way at the mothership to carve out a niche where he could be, um, he could be David Hellman, you know, and David Hellman's a sort of like short little grumpy dude but also like a really wise dude. And, and um, you know, like he did, he did these like, you know, the, the sort of video things where he, he would respond to, to, to people's questions. And he made a, he made a place for himself on the draft show and built himself into a draft Nick. And, um, and I always really, really respected the fact that he gave Brian Broaddus, um, you know, he, he, he dished out whatever, whatever Broaddus was, was giving to him and, and gave it right back. And I really appreciated that as well. And so, you know, the mothership is losing a unique voice and that's too bad, but um, you know, I think it's, it's a, important right now to kind of just celebrate David Hellman's nine, nine years wow, there. Nine years. You know? Wow. Nine years. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, best wishes, uh, Hellman, best wishes, uh, at Fox Sports, and I, the, the, this is the the real takeaway for me. I hope the platform there continues to allow him to be him, because the thing that's magical and unique about him is the fact that he had a he had a unique voice, and um, you know I think every, there's lots of guys who have their own thing, but his was really truly like nobody else did what 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 Hellman did, and I hope that. Um, you know, his new platform gives him the space to continue to be able to be inex- ineluctably and um, without reservation, David Helm. Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, Raz, I don't think it would happen any other way. I couldn't imagine Hellman being anyone other than Hellman. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great get for, you know, for Fox Sports. And I absolutely agree. You know, he's been just fantastic over uh, at the mothership and just you know he's got such great character you know he's a very knowledgeable fan i mean he he's in the know he i mean those cowboys writers there's different levels of of, of you know what the what oh, these yes. players know and and hellman's always you know he's in the know he's very very savvy always saying intelligent things and uh and also the thing that i admire most about hellman too is he's just a guy that you know he has a stand and and he has a belief and he's He's not afraid to stand on that hill and uh, he'll take whatever, you know, so he's true to himself, uh, but just a very entertaining uh, figure in the media for the Cowboys and just, uh, just you know, almost like kind of the Cowboys family, you know, over at the mothership. It's just like, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird without him. And uh, certainly we wish him the best, you know, and, and I can't wait to, you know, still see him covering the Cowboys. So thankfully, you know, that's still happening. So, yes, absolutely. But that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, you know, who do you think the Cowboys' top rookie will be? Or um, what's something 
a person you know that that you admire that does something very weird. You know, just let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Phantom Twenty Four, and Rabs is at Rabble Rouser, spelled R A B B L E R O U S R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez, and Sunday we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. There's no class to dismiss, so enjoy your break before summer school starts, you knuckleheads. Knuckleheads.